Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Section K podcast. Today's Tuesday, June the 4th. On today's show, we sit down with a legend of the NCHA, the GOAT, Lloyd Cox. We sit down with Lloyd at the NCHA convention at the Marriott in Fort Worth, Texas. Heard Lloyd tell some great stories and recap a couple of his most recent wins. We also dive into a couple of hot-button topics that we heard discussed at this year's NCHA convention. Kind of what we heard people discussing, kind of some ideas that we heard thrown around, and what's to come with the NCHA in the future. This episode of the Section K podcast is brought to you by Brazos Valley Equine Hospitals. Brazos Valley Equine Hospitals was founded by Dr. T-Bone Buchanan. His dedication and love for the equine industry has led the practice to develop multiple facilities across Texas, including Navasota, Stephenville, Salado, and Cyprus, and internationally in Brazil. As one of the largest practices in the state of Texas, their hospitals feature experts in sports medicine, reproduction, and alternative medicine, along with board-certified specialists in internal medicine, surgery, critical care, and emergency. Available, their goal is to care for each patient from conception through retirement. As highly trained and dedicated professionals, they are committed to exceeding expectations and to helping each horse reach its full athletic potential. Visit them at bveh.com or find them on Facebook, Brazos Valley Equine Hospitals. The NCHA convention just wrapped up the Marriott in North Fort Worth, Texas. We got to hang out right there by Bucky's for a couple of days. It was pretty sweet yep. be able to go in there, get whatever I needed for about three nights straight. But, uh, yeah, get back on topic. NCHA convention started off with the NCHA Foundation Zach Wood Memorial Golf Tournament. As you may have seen on our Instagram story, myself, Caden Rutherford, teamed up with Scott Chartier of Justin Insurance and Randy Chartier as well as our good friend Blake Frankie. We finished T3, shot a 14 under par, but most importantly, had a great time um, with a bunch of guys of the NCHA and, and gals, of course. It was just great for everyone to come out supporting the NCHA Foundation, having a good time, knocking it around at the golf club at Champion Circle, um, with the exception of the greens, I'd say. Everybody had a pretty good time. Um, it was just good to see Frank Merrill out there, Robin Merrill, Dustin Cooksey, Tyler Merrill, I mean, just to name a few people um, that you'll see around the shows and stuff. Uh, Matt Gaines actually <laughs> played right ahead of us. I think Hedlund got a Snapchat of him. Yeah. How far did he hit that ball? Uh, he, he had the snap hooks kind of early on, uh, but he found it later on, later on in the day. I think Dave Stewart, he plays quite a bit, uh, kind of helped him find, find the swing and the stroke later on in the round. But, hey, I mean, as you know, with old, Matt and how, Iron Man. Yeah, as Iron Man rides a horse, he's a pretty athletic dude. He figured it out and yeah, they had fun. It was it was fun visiting with with uh those guys and uh Dave's girlfriend in between holes and and throughout the round. But um yeah, it was it was great afterwards. The NCHA Foundation and Laura Wood put on a great party at the hotel, a great Italian uh feast for everyone. It was pasta night and honestly, I think Headland could probably agree the food overall at this convention at this hotel was exceptional. Like I enjoyed every single meal I had, whether it was breakfast in the cafe or dinner after the golf tournament or just any kind of random snacks in the bar that we kind of took in. The food was exceptional. So big shout out everyone at the NCHA foundation, especially Laura Wood, Frank Merrill, everyone that kind of had a hand in Maddie Dukes of the NYCHA was out there checking people in and making sure nobody was lying on the hole-in-one contest. They had a $50,000 hole-in-one contest, which wow. is pretty cool. Uh, you never know with all these super honest people of the <laughs> NCHA, we would never accuse anyone of lying about a hole-in-one. But, yeah, they had some kids on For hand. 50K. Yeah, just to uh, – yeah, any kind of scheme there was, hey, you agree with your team, four-way split. I mean, yeah, legitimately <laughs> could think about it <laughs> for sure. But uh, – yeah, overall, it was fun. I mean, we, I talked with a couple of people, Scott included. It was just cool to see everybody kind of in that element. I encourage everyone, 
to come out and play in the golf tournament, even if you don't play. My favorite team of the whole tournament was, without a doubt, Lloyd Cox, Clay Johnson, Cody Porterfield, and Jamie Snyder teamed up on a team sponsored by Clay Johnson Cutting Horses. Clay went to the store, bought him a brand new set of golf clubs. <laughs> Guarantee you he's probably played golf 10 times. I don't know that for a fact, but by the looks of his swing and how they got it around, they had a lot of fun. I'll just say that. <laughs> it was it was funny listening to those guys, especially before the round. You see Lloyd come up. He's got like 24 clubs in his bag, some kind of new clubs, some kind of extremely old to ancient clubs. We'll just <laughs> leave it at that. Rusted. and <laughs> The funniest, though, was Randy Chartier's bag. They threw it on the cart. And just dust just came pouring off of it whenever they <laughs> strapped it in. I thought that was pretty fitting for a horse trainer's golf game. I mean, the only time it probably comes out is for that tournament. So, yeah. once again, big thanks to the NCHA Foundation for putting on a great golf tournament at this year's NCHA convention. Yeah, after the golf tournament kind of wrapped up and everybody got settled into their rooms and settled in at the Marriott in Fort Worth, all the serious stuff started taking place. Friday morning. Myself and Cody, we sat in on a couple meetings um, on both Friday and Saturday. Cody, what were kind of some of your takeaways from the meetings that you observed? Um, the meetings that we went to were the non-pro, the amateur, the competition committee, and the governance, promotion, and growth committee meeting. And the non-pro, the amateur, and the competition – some of the common things that were talked about between each of those three meetings was uh, the leveling. And that's been talked about for, what, three to five years now. And uh, and Denise and uh, who else is on there? Aura. Aura. Casey um, Green. Casey Green. That they've, they've spent a lot of time yeah, and a lot of effort. Research, for sure. They had facts to back up the shows that have done leveling, the shows that have not done leveling, and... I mean, the proof has been there that leveling has has grown the sport and grown shows, made shows bigger. I think Denise used the term unique entry, which is a, a term that I think everyone, that's the way that we should gauge all these shows and gauge how big these shows are is how many different people actually showed up or act, how many different horses were entered, I should say. Mm -hmm. Um not just myself, I would enter the non-pro, the intermediate, and the limited. That wouldn't just be three entries. That would be one entry. So I think that's important not to count someone like myself that would be most definitely double or triple dipping when it comes to the non-pro class because if you're going to enter one, I assume you might as well enter all three. So yeah. I thought that that was important that they included the unique entries and they had tons of facts, graphs, and they had a great presentation of just all the leveling and kind of where we are mm -hmm. with all that. And, I mean, people are passionate about their side. I mean, obviously, everyone knows things get heated. Yep. Well, and there's two sides to every story. I mean, you can you can not like the leveling or you can like the leveling. I mean, obviously, there was a lot more entries and a lot more people uh, showed at those events, but there was a lot more classes offered. Yeah. And when you offer more classes, more people are going to come cut. But there are a lot of good things to the leveling that promote growth and promote uh, excelling in the sport. And, uh, I mean, at least we're trying stuff, and and we got to keep doing it and keep being positive and going to these cuttings and trying it out to seeing if it, if it even is going to work. Yeah, because we don't know what we don't know. Exactly. That was kind of the theme of the entire convention is just kind of yep. – leveling would fix it well would leveling fix this is instance would it fix this in instance i mean there's just so many different circumstances for so many different people and i can't remember who it was but someone stood up and said we got to start thinking about the we and not the me so mm -hmm. i think it's that was russell mccord yeah that was uh, yeah that's right a couple people quoted him yeah, that mike, we gotta yep our friend mike wood from yep. from combine texas stood up and uh, said said that during the amateur meeting you can't just look at how this is going to affect you you should Look how it's going to affect not only you but your trainer, um, your and other amateurs wife, and your yeah, other amateurs. I mean, the person that lopes your horse because mm -hmm. they want to show too. So everyone had a lot of good points, and there was just great discourse back and forth between all at the convention in those meetings. Yeah, yeah, and that's how uh, 
solutions get made. I mean, there's there's several different ways to look at things and, and look at cutting and look at what's best for cutting. And the truth's going to be in the middle somewhere. The answer is going to be in the middle somewhere. And that's just part of it. I mean, we got to have this banter or discussion and people got to bring up other sides so we can figure out the best way for the NCHA as a whole, as a we and not just a me. There's a couple other uh, topics that got brought up that Caden and I had even had discussion afterwards. Um, one of them was a hot button issue at the super stakes, the buckles. And I know in the non-pro committee, we voted that um, to have the champion and reserve champion buckles there and then have certificates for people, for all the finalists, to go get a buckle. Because the reason that the buckle thing happened is that NCHA has a big closet in the office on 260 Bailey Avenue that is full of buckles that have not been picked up. And that was why the whole buckle thing happened at the Super Stakes because they decided that they were only going to give top 10 to cut costs, which they saw some backlash from uh, basically because two open trainers, young open trainers, assistant trainers had made the finals, their very first open finals in Fort Worth and they um, didn't receive a buckle. So anyways, we voted on the non-pro committee that we would give champion and reserve champion buckles and, and certificates to all the finalists so that you have to go pick up your buckle. And that way, the NCHA will still pay for your buckle. However, you have to be there to pick it up. And and it, it just simplifies it. And it cuts out a lot of extra costs that the NCHA was incurring on people that weren't even picking up their finalist buckles. So, I mean, it's <clears throat> it's a simple fix, I think. And it could have been thought about a little early on. It would have worked a lot easier. But, um that was our recommendation as a non-pro committee. And it got talked about on a couple other of the committees as well as, uh, well, something that you talked a lot about and it goes along with leveling and, and trying to promote NCHA was, uh, Johnny Mitchell said that limiting the number of horses that open trainers show at all the limited age events. And, uh, that's something that's been at the convention and talked about a little while the past couple of years at least, but, what were your takes on that? Yeah, I think that's great. I mean, coming from someone that's friends with a lot of people that work behind the scenes, your Cass Tatums, your Gusty Burgers, your Ethan Eisenbars. I mean, we want to get those folks in the show pen at Will Rogers showing good horses. And I think, or really any aged event for that matter, not just Will Rogers, but any aged event all over the country. And getting those people to the show pen could, could be cash showing Lloyd's third or fourth best three-year-old at the fraternity or showing his third or fourth best small fraternity horse or whatever it may be. But I think one of the coolest storylines of the entire Super Stakes was Cody Green and making the finals on Khaleesi Cat for Kathleen Moore. He works for James Payne, as we've talked about. And, I mean, that was fun to see someone as happy and ecstatic about just being in a finals with people that he looks up to and people he admires. So I think it's great that, that someone – as prominent as John Mitchell, who works for the Slate River Ranch and has two great people that work for him and J.D. Garrett and Kelly Clark, and he even mentioned them by name saying, hey, yeah. make me, make them have to show horses. Well, and his point, too, was because then their families are going to come watch. Yeah. And that's more people in the stands and that's more people watching and that creates more more buzz around cutting and it, and it gets more people involved instead of keeping it so centralized and, you know, the top 25, 30 trainers at every – Age event. Yeah, I thought that was extremely interesting when Johnny grabbed the mic and stood up in the competition committee meeting and, and said, hey, tell me that I can only show XYZ amount of horses all across the country because that's how we're going to grow this thing or at least grow the open. So, Or at least help. And maybe, yeah. and just like we're saying about the leveling, I mean, maybe that, that will work and maybe it won't work, but it's at least an idea that we need to look into and, and think that maybe, hey, involving couple more of these younger trainers or assistant trainers or whatever into more show experiences and and getting their families and their people involved it's just getting more people involved with cutting well it just sets them up for success down the road and gets like you say that show experience for whenever they do have that big time customer or that big time horse that they train themselves so yeah i thought that was a super super cool part 
of the convention for sure. Another interesting aspect that we heard tossed around quite a bit more than I had ever heard it uh, thrown around before was the two-class structure. I know in the amateur meeting, it was brought up by a handful of people just going from the non-pro and the amateur to an owner's class that is just strictly leveled out by money. Based on money one. Which I think would be great. I think it would grow the sport. I think you would get more not only trainers' wives, but people that have lived with trainers or work for trainers and feel that they can't compete in the non-pro or can't compete on whatever level that they're forced to show at, give them a, give them a shot and give them a place to go show. And if it's leveled and it's leveled by money, I honestly don't see the problem with it. So, well, I mean, I, I haven't mean, done all the research on the two-class structure by any means, but it sounds like a good idea. Well, and I, I haven't done that much research about it at all. I mean, and that's what the NRCHA does, so obviously – and being on the non-pro committee, it's something that we've talked about. But, um, I mean, the, the easiest way to, to delineate from who is who is supposed to show with who is easily done by on money one. And that's what we win when we're at these cuttings, along with buckles and saddles and other things. But And that's how you are able to separate. I mean, we have standings for the top 100 riders and – and there's a reason for all that, and and it's a any a very easy and simple way to uh, create a new class structure that is fair for everybody. I mean, you're competing against somebody that has won the same amount of money as you, so I think it's a good positive way to look. And I feel like a lot of these ideas were pretty well received, whether it's leveling or or limiting the number of horses or or the two class structure, and and at least we're talking about it and trying to get ideas for for the future of the NCHA. Another great meeting that we sat in on was the long range planning, governance, promotion, and development meeting. Um, I came in a little bit late. I was watching a little bit of the NCAA regionals for the first part of it, but I came in during some of the marketing talk and some of the promotional talk and the branding stuff. And I thought it was great to hear Todd Barden, our marketing guy, uh, talk about some of the ideas that the NCHA has for the future and some of the partnerships they have coming coming to uh, a show near you or near us, I should say. So I just thought it was really great to see and hear not only ideas of people on the committee, but other people that were sitting in on the meeting as well. Yeah, and I, I enjoyed the the things that this committee is, is looking at as, as points of interest for what they see as things that can help the NCHA. Um, they have a lot of good ideas for little things that start from teaching a director how to be a director. What are your priority or what are your responsibilities? And that goes with committee members and and officers and, and teaching people that being a director means something and you have responsibilities and you have to do stuff and go to these meetings and, and participate and have a say in, in the things that are talked about. And I think a lot of people take it for granted. They also had a lot of, uh, you know, marketing ideas that that is going to help Todd Barden and the marketing department um, kind of get some more ideas from the membership. There was a cool video that they did and and uh, to promote the sport. And well, it's like now they have something to take to potential sponsors to say, yeah. hey, this is our way of life and this is the picture that we would like to paint for your business or your brand or whatever it may be that wants to partner up with the NCHA. I really enjoyed that video. Yeah. And they talked about partnerships like with the team penning associations. And I thought that was cool. And the ranch sorting and, and there's a lot of crossover there. I mean, there's a lot of horses that are bought from the cutting horse trainers and stuff like that, that don't make the cut and they go on to be really good horses in that stuff. And, and just other avenues for the NCHA to go and, and merge with some of these other associations to help grow what we do. And I mean, that's the stuff that needs to be talked about as well as, as the leveling and all this other stuff. One of the things I enjoyed the most about the convention was getting to interact and listen to the new NCHA hires, the executive director, uh, Kirk Slaughter, the director of shows, Cheyenne Meagle. Um, Todd Barden, he's been there since December, so he wasn't a new hire, but also Lance Bryson, the new CFO. 
and listening to them interact in meetings and talk to people. And it definitely felt like they were trying to right the ship. Um, they didn't speak out of turn or try to make any bold claims that we were going to get this fixed or we're going to be uh, on the up arrow at this certain date. But they recognized that there are issues that need dealed with, dealt with. And um, it, it was just a real cool experience getting to talk to those guys and, and listen to them because I feel like right now the NCHA is in good hands and that's not something that we've been able to say here in the recent years, you know. Um, we've been through multiple executive directors for the past couple years and, and obviously there's been a lot of transparency issues with some of the finances and, and it seems like there's two very intelligent people in those two positions right now that have the best interests of growing the NCHA and getting on back on an upward path that we were, you know, 10 years ago. So that was one of the things that I, I really enjoyed. Um, just, I mean, like you said, listening to the way Kirk interacted when people did ask questions, he didn't, he didn't raise his voice or, or take, take the defense or anything like that. He just addressed their question. And, and there's a lot of, of unknown for Kirk and Lance and and they just took what they knew and answered the questions and said they will have answers as soon as they can you know yeah they were all very diplomatic it was kind of a first for me to be able to interact with kind of the front office so to speak of the NCHA so yeah I'm pretty impressed with Kirk Slaughter I loved how he kind of stood up and wanted to make eye contact with everybody during that branding and marketing meeting and really wanted to take in kind of what everyone's ideas were and kind of what their opinions were about where the NCHA is going in that regard. So overall, I thought it was a very successful, uh, very proactive NCHA convention for 2019. Yeah, another cool part about the 2019 convention and that marketing meeting specifically was we were sitting behind our now friend and fellow podcaster, Louisa Merch-White of Western Twist Media and the Cutting Edge Podcast. Um, if you haven't checked that one out, be sure and type the Cutting Edge Podcast into whatever podcast player it is that you so desire or choose to use and go ahead and check out the interview that our guy Cody Hedlund had with Louisa on the Cutting Edge Podcast this week. Um, Cody, what were kind of your thoughts on going on another podcast? And uh, it was cool to hear you kind of in that yeah, no, it was, it was opposite from what we've been doing for the past, you know, four or five months. And and to see somebody that's doing the, doing the same thing that we're doing, talking about cutting. And, and she's from Canada, and she gets a lot more of the Pacific Northwest feel to it because it's a totally different culture up there. And, and uh, their cuttings are the same but different. I mean, what runs their cuttings doesn't run the cuttings – down here in Parker County and it was cool just getting to know her and and talking about different ideas that we have and and just chatting about cutting just not on the section k podcast you know it was it was cool to be a guest it was had a different feel um but it was cool just opening doors and getting to know Louisa and and uh just talking about podcasting and and how we're kind of the guinea pigs of this all and we're just kind of feeling our way around and trying to figure it all out. Yeah, mad props to Louisa for kind of jumping in on her own, too. I mean, it's kind of been easier with the help of Cody and Colburn. I mean, at least we have each other to bounce ideas off. So I can't imagine doing it all yourself and, and learning kind of all the facets of social media. I mean, obviously, she knows a ton about marketing and promotion with her blog and, and her already huge Facebook following. But just the ins and outs of podcasting altogether. I thought it was just great to kind of pick her brain and hear her talk about all that stuff. Yeah. And, and she recently became a director too. So that's why she came down for the convention. So it was cool to see that she was doing her civic duty for NCHA. So yeah, huge thanks to Louisa for asking me to come on the podcast. I enjoyed it. Uh, I thought the episode turned out great and, uh, she now has an open invitation to come down to Texas and be on our podcast next time she's down here. And, and if you haven't listened to it, go and listen to the cutting edge podcast. And like Caden said, follow it on 
iTunes or Facebook and you can have two different cutting podcasts to listen to the sport that you love. Hashtag content. This exclusive interview on the Section K podcast is brought to you by Dennis Moreland Tack. Tack handcrafted by Cowboys for Cowboys for 43 years and counting. Since 1976, Dennis has built high-quality tack for training, working, and showing. Get the best. Get your tack at Dennis Moreland Tack. Visit www.dmtack.com. Ladies and gentlemen, we are joined here at the 2019 National Cutting Horse Association Convention with none other than a man that needs no introduction. He's a legend in the sport, won everything under the sun. He's most recently your 2019 NCHA Kit Kat Sugar Super Stakes Classic Open Reserve Champion, your 2019 NCHA Breeders Invitational Open Classic Reserve Champion, and was also the Open Derby Champion at the Breeders Invitational. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Lloyd Cox, the GOAT. Welcome, Lloyd. Lloyd. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, thanks so much for taking the time during a busy NCHA convention here in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, just finished up a long stint at the Breeders Invitational. Tell us a little bit about, first and foremost, uh, the five, six-year-old, kind of the first part of the show. Um, were, were, was the Open Reserve Champion aboard Hot Heels? Uh, what do you remember kind of from that? Yeah, you know, the horse, he was he was good the whole time. Um, uh, had had some really good runs on him. The, the finals run was really good, too. Uh, the horse was dialed in. Um, we cut some good cows. Uh, marked a 220-something to, to tie. And uh, and then the work off didn't go quite as well as I'd hoped, but uh, you know uh, the horse was good. Um, actually, Julie Jarman, that owns the horse, had to show it in the very next set of the non-pro. Um, yeah, I remember and uh, so he so he went through a little bit, but he was really good for her. I think she marked a 19 when she showed, and uh, it worked out good. I, I was I was happy to do as good as I did. So what's your mindset kind of we, – we all know you help and watch every cow that comes in every arena at every show. So what's your mindset kind of in a work-off and kind of in that setting? We don't really have that tiebreaker very often. I think it's only at the BI. We were talking with Sanislow. Kind of what's your mindset whenever you realize, hey, the work-off's going to happen? Kind of what are you thinking after that? You know, um, I haven't been in a whole lot of them, actually, because they just don't hardly do it anywhere. But there um, – and, and I drew first in the work-off, and, you know – the mindset for me was to go have as good a run as I can, you know, cut clean, uh, you know, being late and all you want to try to cut some cattle you think you can hold and, and, and have a clean, smooth run. And, and I didn't have as good as run. I marked a 16. And, um, but you know, when you're first, at least you got to give them something to shoot at, you know, that, you know, that, so they don't just go in there and jack around and, and get through a run and just beat you. So, but, uh, you know, he cut better cows than I did. His horse was probably uh, quite a bit better than mine was that second round, and uh, he he done a great job. Hats off to him. He uh, he deserved it. Going into the four-year-old, Lloyd won a total of $114,000 at the BI. What's your mindset kind of shifting? I know there's a kind of a pretty large break at the BI between the five, six-year-old competition and the four-year-old. Um, talk a little bit about what goes into kind of a, a morning for you and waking up and blocking and kind of what all goes into preparing your horses at a show like that well you know i mean by this time you've worked them quite a bit you've been there a while and and uh, you you know what your horse has been showing like and, and working like and you're just working on the little things to to shore up that that horse might have tendencies to do um and uh so you you know you want to get him prepared the right way the little things that he you know he might not do exactly like you want all the time you want to try to shore some of those things up and uh, and you know I, yeah I started early I, I blocked in the mornings from five to six and uh, so you got some early mornings it's a lot of work worked a lot of horses had a lot of horses there um, but you know you can get it out of the way and uh, kind of go along with the rest of your day and that's something that you do at all the shows is. Is that because you help a lot of people, or the the day's so busy, or? Yeah, a, a little bit of everything. Like uh, it, it's really hard to do. It's it's hard not to do it and have your day go very simple. Um, 
like I, I'll work all my horses in a block that I need to work for that day. Um, and I, I get them worked on cows. And then I normally go back and, and, and just touch them up on the flag before I show them. And I did that about before every set I showed or two sets before, depending on the situation. And um, it just frees you up. It's so hard to, uh, you know, especially when you show on quite a few horses, to be able to get over there and try to work your priority and then still be over there showing and helping. So I, I get most of that out of the way because it doesn't take long to work the flag just to kind of touch them up a little bit. Um, and that's about the only way I can get it done and, and be comfortable uh, throughout the day. Do you know how many head of horses you had total at the BI this year? I have no idea. <laughs> um, you know, I, I showed quite a few there. Uh, they let you show, you know, unlimited mountain. <clears throat> now I had, I think I showed nine in the, in the four-year-old, but you know, like three or four of those were just uh, novice horses. Yeah, you won the ten thousand novice on you and your lovely wife Christina's horse, Backstreet Cat. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that victory before we get into the Open Derby. Well, I, you know, I, uh, I trained that horse uh, belonged to uh, Ty, Ty Moore, and uh, we showed it some opportunities. And after the first couple of shows, he got a little suspensory deal. We had to lay him off a little while, so we missed the last couple of those shows. And he was probably my, my best small fraternity horse, or at least one of them. And uh, so that was kind of a little loss there for me at them small ones that year. But he healed up, and, uh, and I didn't show him much after that, um, but Ty did. And uh, Ty and Kathleen, they, you know, they have several horses, and, and she doesn't normally keep the gildings, you know, um, and, unless she's, you know, just in love with the horse or he is or whatever. And, and they had quite a few, so they thought that actually sold a couple of those gildings. And uh, me and Christina, she'd always liked that horse, and uh, so we decided to buy that from them. And, uh, you know, it worked out pretty good. We, we weakened him a little bit, so... Uh, you know, she could kind of get used to him, and I'd show him a little bit too, and and then uh, it, you know it couldn't have went really any better. She did really well in the yeah, non-pro. She, awesome she made the too. finals in the non-pro and in the yeah, 10K on him, and and she done well also. So it was a it was a good show for us and that horse. So in the Open Derby at the at the BI um, on Slow Ride, Lloyd went ahead and marked a 224 tied crazy. That score came back in the work off, marked a 225 to win the championship. Lloyd, what was kind of the difference in the work off there? Were you first or second in that uh, one? Well, I was I was second that time. Um, what, what is what, like your mindset? You know, I, you just you kind of got to wait and see what the first horse does. You know, and Tatum, he you know great mare. I mean, she's won a lot already. Won a maturity, a couple other age events, and and she's just been a, a really good, consistent for, performer for him, and and he shows really well. So, you know, you just kind of got to see what he cuts you know, and, uh, and, and what he marks, what kind of run he's got, and you kind of get your mindset on that. Well, but he put a lot of pressure on me. Marked yeah. a 222, had a really nice run. And, um, and me and my help, we, we, you know, had talked about some of the cows, and, and he didn't cut any of them because one of the reasons probably is uh, uh, the first two I cut were reruns, but they <laughs> were on purpose, you know. Uh, that white cow was yeah, unreal. I, I actually – cut that cow on the first horse in that bunch which i also showed and i thought she would go again and the second horse cut uh, the uh, yellow baldy uh, which is jonathan rogers and uh, i thought those two cows still had some left in them and they hadn't been messed up or you know roughed up during any of the cuts that i saw so that was the mindset and the last cow i just come with whatever i could get to yeah you know because i mean it's not like you can't waste much time when he's got a 22 on the board. Well, that's as good of a run as I've seen, in my opinion. And that, I mean, I was at Colonial, like I said on last week's show, and I stopped off in the Port of John just to watch the work off. And, <laughs> I mean, all, all that white cow, seriously, that was a tough son of a gun. Like he, Yeah, good cow. The horse was excellent. You know, he just he kind of rose to the occasion of every cow I cut him. And, you know, I just couldn't ask him to be much better than that. He was, he was probably – I mean, I thought he was great the first round, but I think in the work-off it was probably just, you know, even better. Yep, I would agree. I watched it on the Internet, and, and I watched both runs, and I watched every run that went on in the finals, and I thought he was amazing in the in the first, you know, in the finals run. Yes. And then when he comes back, and, and I mean, I thought he was just even 
just as good, if not better. And, and I agree. He, he was he was just phenomenal. I mean, he didn't miss a beat at all. As soon as I got one cut and dropped him, he he you know took over. So before we kind of change subjects real quick, uh, Boyd is one of your best friends in this in this industry Absolutely. and has been for a long time. What is it like having Boyd's son Tatum and going against him in a work off <laughs> yeah. and, and watching Tatum grow up? I mean, you yeah. know Tatum forever as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it, it, it it's just funny how things go. Uh, I mean, I, I've known him since he was just a baby, you know, and watched him grow up and uh, he does really good. And every time I listen to myself say something right now, it makes me feel like I'm getting older, but which we, <laughs> we all, all are. are. But uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, you know, it's it's pretty cool, though. Like, uh, you know, I've known Boyd for quite some time and we've been really, really good friends. You know, hell, he's the best man in my wedding, you know, and uh, and Tatum and Taryn the same way. And and it's weird how you get matched up like that sometimes, you know. Um, but I mean, you know, I I think when it's said and done, I mean, he could have beat me just as just like I beat him, and we're gonna we're gonna talk afterwards and you know give each other crap and be happy for each other because we both did well no matter who won, and and it's you know there's just a lot of camaraderie there I think mm-hmm. that goes unnoticed a lot of times too. It does. I mean. You know, and a lot, of, a lot of the guys, you know, you don't, you see them at cuttings, which you're at those cuttings a lot. But it's like, uh, you know, the friendship never leaves. You know, you, you can go not see them for a month or two, and it's just as soon as you do, it's it's the same. You know, it just never, never changes. So, obviously, we just listened to your uh, unreal success of the BI, and we've talked about you a lot on this podcast, but. Um, Tell us a little bit about the beginning of of Lloyd Cox. Like, uh, where uh, where'd you grow up, and and how'd you get into cutting? Uh, well, you know, I grew up in Missouri, um, and and I had uh, I had uh, a normal life as a kid. You know, grew up, played a lot of sports through school and high school and stuff like that, and and was really involved in that a lot. And I had. Uh, I had about two or three uncles that were involved in the cutting horses a little bit, uh, a couple of my dad's brothers, and uh, and they, they didn't go to big shows or anything. And then uh, uh, my mom's brother, he uh, he had some. And I, I rode after school with him a lot or out at his place quite a bit and uh, uh, kind of got involved that way somewhat. And, and my dad always promoted my riding for whatever reason. I guess he liked it too, you know. Um, and... Through all that, I, you know, I got to cutting a little bit. Uh, we, I made a few weekend shows with some horses that were pretty average. I mean, we couldn't afford a very good horse, you know. And uh, and my uncle, he had he had a few really nice horses, and I'd get to ride some of them. And um, I did a little high school stuff there for a while. And uh, when I graduated high school, um, I went and spent a summer. Uh, with a friend now that he passed away here a couple years ago, uh, Albert Rowland. And uh, I didn't know Albert that well, but my dad and his dad knew each other well. And uh, so I went out there to spend the summer after I graduated high school, and uh, me and him got to be really good friends. Like, he uh, he was a really good influence on me, helped me a lot with my cutting. and uh, And I was supposed to go back home and go to college, and he had a job offer to go to Texas and and work and uh, I I had you know all the plans to go back to college and uh, maybe play a little basketball or whatever and uh, that never went down I went with him to Texas and, <laughs> and punted college you know so uh, and I stayed with him I was I don't know I was with him a, maybe a year and a half and uh, that's when I took the job with uh, Jim Holmes and uh, and actually he just passed away here during the BI you know and uh, and and you know Jim was uh, he was he treated me like one of his kids you know I, hell I was that age too and and uh, he was pretty good to me he gave me a lot of opportunities you know um, probably that I wouldn't have gotten a lot of other places and and made a lot of difference I think I worked for him about three and a half years and and then just kind of moved on from there. Well, that's that's kind of what I I remember <coughs> as as a kid growing up is is knowing that you lived up in Colorado and you worked for the Holmeses. And and so those are my first memories of, of you. Um, 
Who are some of the people, you said Jim and Albert Rowland, but who are some other people that have been some really positive mentors in, in the industry, whether it's trainers or owners? or Yeah, well, I, yeah, I, I definitely have to go back to two I just mentioned, uh, you know, Jim Holmes for, for giving me those opportunities that, you know, I don't know that I'd have gotten a lot of places. And, uh, and Albert for, I don't know, for giving me the leeway uh to to do a lot of things on my own and 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 teach me when i needed taught you know um and after that like guys that that i showed with and stuff a lot uh i think i think fair and hightower helped me a lot with my showing and and you know uh, he don't mind doing a little coaching anyway but (laughs) but he he helped me a lot you know um uh also another guy would have been mike mowry um same thing you know at one time he was extremely awesome showman and and uh, I think I learned quite a bit from him and one of the the main guys and he's always been one ever since I was around him got to know him was Ronnie Rice and uh, I think our styles are a little bit different but it doesn't change the fact that we still want the same result you know and uh, he uh, had a lot of influence on my understanding of horses and because his his thoughts and process of the way he worked one were so much different than mine that I didn't know that side maybe and and he taught me a lot of different ways to do something different to get the same success and uh, I used to make him every year work my three-year-olds for me you know and and he'd always he'd always give me something you know and there was a lot of times I'm like man I don't know (laughs) I don't know if I could get myself to do it you know and uh, he never steered me wrong one time. It was always a, a positive. Uh, if I did what he said, that horse got better with the problem I had. And I, I think those were probably the most prominent guys that, you know, that were older than me that I respected and, and uh, you know, played a role. So you were inducted into the 2000 Open Riders Hall of Fame. Um, what do you remember kind of about the years leading up to that that kind of helped propel you into kind of the Hall of Fame and kind of that that accolade and that accomplishment? Oh, man, that's been a long time ago. But, you know, I think the opportunity, uh, even when I left working Jim Holmes, his daughter Linda and Gail um, kept sending me horses and kept sending me, you know, good horses. And, and as you all know, that you're only as good as what's underneath you. Um, and the fact that they kept me under those kind of horses underneath me it it propelled my career to get better you know uh and and have a shot at winning more money which is what gets you to the hall of fame you know and uh, i think that 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 family made that possible probably for me with a lot of other people that i had horses for that maybe didn't have the best ones but all those people that sent me horses educated me with the horse that they sent and that made me better yeah i mean you can't just ride the good ones to get better you have to understand the the simpler horses maybe they're not the most talented and all those things and figure out a way to train those horses you know and find a spot where you can go have some success on them and and, and all those people that, that sent me horses and still today make me better in, in who I am. Yeah, T.R. Ray. I mean, a handful of big-time studs. Yes, absolutely. How racious. A couple awesome broodmares. Stylish play Lena that you rode back in the day. Yeah. Definitely, I mean, that's what I – those are the horses that I remember watching old videos of saying, hey, look up videos right. of Lloyd on T.R. Ray or look up – videos of Lloyd on stylish playing in it that's what it's supposed to look like that's what it's supposed to look like so I don't know that's cool to hear kind of you talk about Jim Holmes and kind of the background because I didn't even know about that yeah big background so another big time year 2010 you won the 2010 NCHA futurity aboard one-time royalty what did that kind of I mean obviously the futurity is the crown jewel everybody strives for having good three-year-olds and, and making the gate at Fort Worth with great horses and hopefully doing well. What did that win especially mean to you? Well, you know, it's it's like anybody that, that gets into this and starts training. 
um, and, and doing the aged events, I mean, that's, that was always, still is today, the ultimate goal. I mean, that, that's the biggest aged event we have. That's the premier top level deal. And, and I mean, I'd tried a lot before, <laughs> you know, um, and, 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 and had done really well. I think I've been reserved three or four times and, 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 and it's just never good enough until you win, you know? And um, it, it was funny with that horse. I in the semifinals, I think I marked a a two fifteen, and uh, I, I in, in all honesty, I, I didn't show him very good. I think I was a little uh, I don't know uh, nonchalant, you know, didn't didn't go for it quite as much, wasn't as aggressive as I needed to, and um, and so therefore I ended up with a two fifteen, and uh, it my wife talks about it all the time she she just left because she's like no there's no way yeah. that's gonna wait i think they took two horses in the last set and i think the second horse was one of them and not another one did and so i was really fortunate to even get there and i and and i i told myself that i might not do any good but when i show tomorrow night i'm 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 gonna be aggressive you know and I don't think I had to be as aggressive because the cows I cut were very aggressive, <laughs> you know, and uh, they they put it on that horse and he responded in a great way. Yeah, that bay stud running across the pin in 2010 and hitting his dirty ass, that's like one of my <laughs> most vivid memories of uh, watching cutting and especially at the NCHA Futurity, it was just kind of walking around, it was that first full crop of one-time Peptos and I mean, it was like Lloyd won the Futurity, it was like christmas is here early so it was cool <laughs> so throughout your career we've uh i mean there's been one-time royalty dual ray tr dual ray i mean the list goes on of of studs that that you've rode that have had success and then also had success um, in their later life and their breeding career um what's one of them that you feel like impacted you the most um however it may be well that's a good question a lot, a lot of people ask me you know what was my favorite horse or the best horse and this and that and I, I don't really have a you know one that I just can point out per se but there there are two or three that stick out to me a little bit and um one of them naturally would be one-time royalty because he led me to the championship at the fraternity so that was you know, that's one of those unforgettable things that you, you can't get past without thinking about that horse. And he was an incredible horse. Like, uh, I mean, he was, his ability was, was phenomenal. And, and, you know, I could go on forever about some of the things that he could do. But so I, that horse was, was certainly one of them. Uh, probably the, the, the biggest freak of nature that I've ever been on would have, have to say Hottish. Um, he just he would get himself in some situations you're thinking there's no way and like at the bi as yeah. a four-year-old <laughs> yeah and, and and he could you know he just like no i can do this watch you know so um and his mother was uh she was insanely incredibly gifted too you know she just stop and move so amazing it was just pretty phenomenal um and and then the one that probably started it all for me the, the best one I had at that point in time was uh, was Nurse Ray the mother of Dual Ray um, I, I don't know if I ever have or, or I ever will ride a smarter cow horse than that I, I, I've never seen or rode once since in a horse that thinks the way that that mare thought she, she was uh, just unbelievable uh, I you know I mean I probably ruined a few after her because trying I, to make them just like yeah her. I couldn't get any to to think like she did and it didn't really matter what I did she was going to do it right and like she just had the ability to slow a cow down set it up and do her business and it it, it didn't matter if I cut a bad one or a good one the end result would generally be the same it was good you know so what is an, a memory that you remember not showing a horse, whether you were helping or, or watching somebody show. You or, were probably turning it around. Yeah, most around likely. I mean, honest. you're there every time. So Top left. Um, 
I think uh, one thing I remember I- I- as far as the Open was concerned uh, was when Tag Rice won the Triple Crown. And, and the reason that that meant a lot to me was, number one, he's a great friend. Like, just, you know, he's just one of those people, you know. One of my peeps, you know, is that what y'all say now? <laughs> so, um, and um, so that night, I think, I don't know his first, second bunch, but I was right before him. And I showed T.R. Dure, and I marked a 25. And he was, he was really good that night. And, and we, had a, we had a nice run. Well, Tag, you know, of course, he'd already run the Futurity and the Super Stakes. And uh, that marriage, Kita Pistol, was just phenomenal. I mean, she could just kill herself all the time, just stop and move. And, and uh, Tag, he had no problem asking her to do it every time either, you know. <laughs> so, um, Come on, honey. Yeah, get it on. So he, I got done, I got on my horse, and I was riding out there to help him. And, uh, and he came over and asked me about a cow. And, uh, and, and I said that I liked the cow. I said, I, I don't think it was a very good cow for my horse, but I think it's an excellent cow for your horse. <laughs> and, and anyway, he ended up cutting her, and he ended up, I don't know, he marked a 28 or, you know, anyway, he, he won the, the cutting, and, and deservedly so. I mean, I was, that doesn't happen very often you know and uh i i almost i mean naturally you want to win i mean you never go down there without wanting to win but i was probably just about as happy being second that night as i could be you you've been second to him twice too at the super stakes as well right? <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah. and and you know because the triple crown's a big thing and, and i don't think i was supposed to win it per se but the point was is even if I thought I had I didn't want to <laughs> you know what I mean it's like I, I don't want to lose a friend that I've had yeah. this long <laughs> <laughs> so I was I, and, and I thought he did and I, but anyway I was just really elated for him because I mean that's a that, that accomplishment doesn't happen very often may never happen again I mean you just don't know it's so it's just so tough anymore but I so that was one of the moments that 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 stuck out for me, I think, in the in the open cutting for sure. Talk a little bit about the group of owners you have right now. I mean, Gary Barker, Ty and Kathleen, you already spoke about them kind of a little bit, Julie Jarma. What's it mean to have a group of owners supporting you and putting good horses under you and I mean, what's that like? Yeah, well it's 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 amazing and it and it has a lot to do with me being successful. You know, um uh they have really good horses um and they're 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 good to me they support me um julie uh really dear friend uh her and my wife are as tight as they can be you know i mean they're just really good friends and and i feel the same way uh, about her uh you know just do anything in the world for her and and she's got some nice horses and I think she's going to keep having more. She's doing a lot of good things breeding, and she'll buy her one once in a while. And and so, so and and she helps us, you know, all the time. She's uh, she's you know just part of the team, part of the family. In the trenches, she's the background. She, of, she's of what you she's do. right there all the time. When I need something, she's there for me. She gets horses ready. I mean, she takes care of of a lot of stuff. And. Uh, um so yeah it's it's you know she's the real deal and kathleen and and she's there's not a better person to do business with in the world and uh her whole family uh we're all good friends and ty and i mean you you couldn't ask for for better people um as hard I, as ty is to be around a lot of the time right <laughs> yeah, yeah mr laid back himself. Yeah. So, like you got any room to talk? Yeah, <laughs> uh, but he's just—you know—they're just. You know, they're just uh, I don't know. They all feel like family. You know, um, they're just—you know—our kind of people. Well, to me, what's really cool to see and kind of what 
we try and emulate over at Porterfields is just kind of everybody rooting for everybody. It doesn't matter Absolutely. if Julie's on the fence after she just got blackish ready. She's going to be cheering just as loud for X's and O's that she just got ready yeah. for Gary to show in the amateur. So to me, it's a huge, I mean, it's, it literally is a whole family vibe Absolutely. over there at, at, at y'all's house and, yeah. and y'all's barn. And I think you need that, you know, you need those, you need those people, you know, like they, even if you do bad for those customers and you don't want to, I mean, nobody ever wants to do bad to start with, but they understand they understand the difference you know they know that you're trying to do well and uh, it just makes it that much better when you do good for them so we've talked about it on this podcast a little bit and i'd be silly not to bring it up um but everybody that's been on this podcast and and uh that we've talked to they always they it's either you're the goat or uh wwld like jesse said uh what would lloyd do and and tell us what I mean, what that means to you. I mean, obviously, it's it's your peers respecting what you've done, but I mean, just tell us how, that, like, what that means. I mean, you're the the Michael Jordan or the Tiger Woods of our sport, and I, you know, I, that's a hard question to answer. I mean, I, I I appreciate the the accolades and the honor and the respect that people give me and stuff, and you know, I I always try in my mind. Um, I, I just want to be one of the guys, you know, want to fit in. And, and, and you know, I get a lot of questions sometimes about this or that, and, I mean, I'm happy to help if I can. But um, I don't know. I, I have had success, and I'm extremely happy that I have, and I, and I appreciate the respect that others give me. But, uh, I mean, we're, I, I feel like we're all just a group of people that trying to accomplish the same thing. And in this game, you know, as well as I do, the highs are highs and lows are lows. And you're going to get both. You know, everybody, you know, you have a nice show and they come up and, hey, man, good job. That was just awesome. And I was like, well, it was awesome for the horses that I did good on. But what about the ones that were in the stall after the first round and the people that own them? Everybody forgets about that. But I don't forget about that. You know, I, 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 I could have done better there, you know. So even though you have success, you have a lot of failure on the way. So you, you, you're, never, you're never quite as good as you want to be, you know. You have to keep striving uh, to get better all the time. I, and you'll never quit learning. And when you do, it's not going to go very good. We had seven money earners at the BI this year. So is that, I mean, the horses, like you just said, that are in the in their stalls after the first go-round, is that essentially what does keep you hungry and keep you driven from show to show is, hey, what can I do at the next one on this one that I didn't make? Well, make yeah, the finals I, th- under I think that's part of it. And it's not just those. It's still doing good on the ones you did good on and, and keeping them the way they're supposed to be and showing them the way you're supposed to show them and the ones you didn't do good on figuring out a way to do a better job on those. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a never ending process, you know, and, and it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to maintain, you know, a strong level with what you do. It, it, it just, you know, it's a lot of effort. It's not just me, you know, it takes a, a great team of people around you. You know, I've, I've, got a, I've got a good team. I try to keep a, people around me and people that I like and that you want to be around it's like you live with them anyway uh you know Cass tatum he he works a lot of my horses at home and and, and does an excellent job and he's a good guy he's good to be around awesome. you know i mean i mean you couldn't ask for a better situation than that i just lost a guy austin johnson and he went to a deal just over there from me great guy had him quite a few years there and and uh, appreciated all the work he did and of course julie and and we'll have another girl here or there help us. Uh, um, one's fixing to go to college, so she just left the other day. But probably the biggest and best thing for me would be my wife. Um, you know, she, uh, there's not anything that she doesn't do. Like, she uh, has improved me as a person um as a trainer um 
in social skills, <laughs> you know, everything I can think of, uh, she's made me a better person. And with the, the things that she does, you know, we've got three kids and Leighton, um, she just turned nine and uh, Levin and Ledger twin boys that are five. Twin natives. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's a lot. And uh, she, she's got all that to think about, all the kids. And, and listen, they do a lot of stuff, you know. They play. I'm always seeing videos of yeah, playing ba- sports baseball, or dance, T-ball. Yeah, and basketball and dance and gymnastics. And, I mean, it's like every night of the week, you know. And, and she has to deal with all that. And then she rides and then she gets horses ready. She shows. She's working at the barn. She enters horses. She enters customers' horses, our horses. I mean, just <clears throat> you can't fathom all that she has to do. And she does the biggest part of it for our business, but for me, so I can spend my time concentrating on what I do and trying to be successful. So, in all honesty, without her, um, I'm not not the same person not uh, as good without her for sure she she makes everything i do possible so your daughter Layton, she just got back from the horseman for christ camp what's that kind of like having yeah. your daughter around the barn and kind of getting to where i know she showed at the summer show here yeah. recently in yeah. the last two years kind of what's it mean to you to yeah it's it's really good she she doesn't get a lot of opportunity to uh to ride as much as she should like a lot of kids or like she probably should be because she has so many other things going you know um but but yeah i love it yeah it's it's good and she's getting better all the time if she had more time i think she'd even get better and i mean she will as she gets older but uh and i think she had a great time that's the first year she went to that camp and uh i think she had a ball and the people there were good and i think she got a lot better they were sending me videos and and stuff so uh, yeah, she had a big time. I'm sure she'll be going back. For sure. So after all this serious cutting talk and all that, what are your, some of your hobbies outside of cutting? I mean, it's, I understand it's hard to say, but. Uh, yeah, well, um, I, I'll tell you, um, my wife loves water sports. So we, we have a boat. And uh, actually, I think today, she went out on the boat with the kids and and then met probably her mother and maybe a friend or two and and they're probably out there right now having a, a blast you know and uh, so we'll do that um either in the evenings or you know days that they're convenient for us through the summer we'll do that a little bit uh we try to go uh snow skiing once a year we go up uh i think we've been to lake tahoe last couple years um mainly because of uh, the moors. They take a big family trip and, and they invite us and we take all our kids and put them in ski school and, and, and go skiing every day. And, and that's just a blast. Uh, I'm not the greatest skier in the world, but I can get up and down, but, it, but we have a lot of fun, you know, and, and especially hanging out with the moors, it's, it's a great time. Um, you know, and, 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 and watching our kids do what they do. You know, the boys play baseball and t-ball actually and watching Leighton at her deals and and just uh you know kind of watching them grow up I mean I I don't get as much time you know as I want to um but but um I don't know there's anything too particular because most of the time uh, we're horseback because if you're not at a show and you're at home you better be riding them three-year-olds you know I won't get to talk to you guys anymore (laughs) yeah (laughs) going back kind of on the your family and kind of watching your kids grow up I mean it's been cool for me to watch not only your daughter but your boys to go from whoever's watching them during what set whenever yeah. Christina's got to go get a horse or Julie's got to go get a horse and they're standing over the railing yelling da 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 I mean just to see the smile on your face yeah. whenever stuff yeah. like I mean that's what this is all about and that's what well it is a, you know it is a big family sport and uh you know, I, I don't know what they'll do when they grow up. Hope Hopefully something really lucrative. Raise but, hell, for but, sure. Well, I, I'm pretty sure that's coming. I don't <laughs> think we can stop that. But, uh, 
But, you know, I, I will probably certainly encourage them to ride, at, you know, if they want to and help as much as we can. But that'll just kind of be up to them as we go. So we'll see what that holds. But, uh, yeah, they're, they're a fun little bunch, I'll tell you. Well, Lloyd, thanks so much for taking the time during the NCHA convention here in Fort Worth, Texas. We cannot thank you enough. It was awesome to sit here and listen to some of your stories and, and some of your experiences and talk about some of the big-time horses that we've all come accustomed to watching and, and grown, grown up watching. watching. So <laughs> thanks so much, Lloyd. I can't tell you how much we appreciate you taking the time. All right, guys, I appreciate you having me, and uh, I hope we get to talk just like this real soon. <laughs> Thanks, We couldn't do the things that we do here at the Section K without the help of CHC, Mark Michaels, Alex Taft, Lauren Middleton, and Jenny Cooper. So we want to thank those guys very much for everything they do for us. Um, if you haven't, make sure you go and check out the articles that they have on CHC, uh, Lauren Middleton. She just recently did a cool article on Justin Chalmers and the CHC Trainer Spotlight. Um, so go make sure you guys check out all the articles that they have on there. They do a great job um, just promoting the sport of cutting and just finding the cool stories that everybody likes to read and talk about. So make sure you guys go and check out everything they got there at CHC. Yeah, that's going to do it for today's episode. Be sure and follow us along on Facebook, Instagram, Section K Podcast. If you would have any takes on anything you heard discussed on today's episode, be sure and send us an email, sectionkpod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from everyone. Um, be sure and leave us a review. Tell your friends about us. Uh, we look forward to seeing everybody down the road. Adios. Adios.